Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Well, as you remember, if you're with us, if you're with me, chapter 12 really got into the gifts of the Spirit along with us working together as members of the body. Chapter 13 really focused on love and said, look, you can operate in all the gifts and manifestations, power of the Holy Spirit, but if you don't have love, it counts for nothing. And now chapter 14 is going to talk about how we minister the gifts of the Spirit in church gatherings and settings, whether that be on a campus or in a home, in a small group. How we do this in love. How do you do it? Gifts of the Spirit, chapter 12. Love, chapter 13. Gifts of the Spirit in love, chapter 14. So here we go. 1 Corinthians 14 from the New King James Version. And here's what it says. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. There it is right there. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. But especially notice that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. Now, this is very interesting because in chapter 12, he said that speaking in tongues or the gift of tongues is for the profit of everybody. But here he says, for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. In other words, there is a spiritual language of praying to God. The arrow goes up from your spirit by the Holy Spirit, speaking in a language, praying in a language you have never learned before, and it goes to God. And if you're praying to God from your spirit by the power of the Holy Spirit, speaking with tongues, nobody gets anything out of that because they don't understand it. So he said, he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God, for no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries because you're speaking an unknown language. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. When you prophesy, you're prophesying in in an understood language. You understand it, and uh, likely the hearers will understand it. He says, so that brings edification, exhortation, and comfort. This is what prophecy brings. So he goes on to say, he who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. When you pray in the Spirit, you edify yourself. Like Jude chapter 1, verse 20. There's only one chapter in Jude. But it says, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. So see, when you're praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, you're building yourself up spiritually. You build yourself up like charging your battery. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied, for he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues, unless, notice the word unless, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So you're gonna, we're going to see in this chapter that Paul is showing them how when you're together at in a church gathering, large or small, then you need to walk in love but tongues is not as valuable when you're getting together with other people for them. You may be edified, but you can do that by yourself at home, just praying in tongues. But if you're going to edify other people, they need to understand what's being said. But notice he said prophecy is better than he who speaks with tongues unless 
the interpretation comes. See, once the interpretation of a tongue comes, it equals to the effectiveness of prophecy because now we're understanding what God's saying to us. See, so that's an important point. I want to show you in this chapter, as we read, that, that this chapter, God is not saying, Paul is not saying, do not speak in tongues at all in church. Some people understand it to be so. All you got to do is read it to find out that's not what he said. But he is addressing an excess of tongues, an excess, not being done in love, not uh, being done too much. And it's not helpful. You're helping yourself, but you're not helping everybody else. All right, verse six. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation, by knowledge, by prophesying, or by teaching? See, and so he's saying tongues by itself without teaching and revelation and prophesying, he said that's not so helpful. Even things without life, excuse me, even things, yeah, without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known? What is piped or played? For if the trumpet, this is a great question, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? So in the military, you know, when, when maybe the cavalry or whatever, dun, 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 you know, they know what the sounds of the trumpets are. They know, the troops know what to do. But he said, if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, nobody gathers for battle because they don't know what it means. He's saying the same, the same way, if you're just speaking something and people don't know what it is, they don't know how to be encouraged by it. They don't know what God's saying. So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world, and none of them is without significance. Therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks, and he shall be, and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, you, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. So he's saying to the Corinthians, I know you're zealous to be used in the gifts of the Spirit. But let that zeal be for edifying everybody, not just to get in there and to look spiritual or to be spiritual for yourself, to be built up for yourself. No, he said, let it be out of love to edify other people. See, it all comes back to love. Verse 13, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue, in other words, the Holy Spirit is speaking in a language through you, let him pray that he may interpret. Therefore, let him pray that he may interpret. Notice he's not saying do not speak in a tongue. He's just saying, but pray that you may interpret. Why? For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding, and we could say our mind, is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then? Okay, let's find out what the conclusion is. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. That's the conclusion. We need to do both. We need to not only sing in the Spirit and pray in the Spirit, but we also need to sing and pray with our known language. For me, this is English. See, and so verse 16... Otherwise, somebody said, well, that's talking about at home. Well, it can't be because look at the next verse, verse 16. Otherwise, if you bless with the Spirit, meaning with the Holy Spirit only, with spiritual language only, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks since he does not understand what you say? 
See, so he's talking about when other people are around. So it's okay, very much so, when a group gets together, a particular spirit-filled group, if there are some times where we praise the Lord and pray, and spiritual language can be used, but we shouldn't do all spiritual language. There should be uh, praise and prayer that's happening in the understood language as well, so that people can be benefited even by hearing you worship the Lord. This is what happened in Acts chapter 2. Those people from other countries that spoke those languages, they heard the wonderful works of God. They heard God being magnified through the 120 or so that were in the upper room. He goes on to say in verse 17, For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. So this is what Paul's saying is not love, that you come together with other people, but you're doing something that just edifies yourself, but it's not edifying other people. Verse 18, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. So there's a validation right there of two things. Number one, that Paul was spirit-filled and had a prayer language to speak in tongues. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Yet in the church, this is the key phrase right here that helps us to understand what Paul's talking about with tongues. Paul said, look, I speak in tongues on my own more than you all. So Paul prayed in tongues. He said, yet in the church, when I'm together with other people, other believers, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. So he's saying, I speak in tongues more than all of you. So I value this great uh, gift of the Lord to be able to pray with spiritual language. But notice that's different than the, than the manifestation of the Spirit called tongues that's to be interpreted. See, this is praying to God. So it's going from your spirit in spiritual language to God. You don't even necessarily understand unless the Holy Spirit helps you to interpret it. You don't really understand everything you're praying because it's going from you to God. But Paul said, look, but when I'm in the church, that's not the time for me just to go off praying in tongues, even if it's effective, even if we're getting things done in prayer, even if I'm being built up. Why? Because I want to walk in love with those people around me and teach them and exhort them and such. And so I pray in tongues or I speak with tongues more than y'all. Yet in the church, I'd rather speak five words uh, in understanding than uh, 10,000 words in tongues that I may teach other people. Verse 20, brethren, do not be children, or we could say immature, understanding in understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. In the law, it is written, with men of other tongues and other lips, I will speak to this people, and yet for all that, they will not hear me. And of course, this is talking about when Israel uh, was exiled out of their land for disobedience. They ended up in you know, northern Israel in Assyria and uh, Judah in Babylon, and they're ending up hearing languages that they don't understand. So it was really something of a curse. That happened. And so with men of other tongues and other lips, I'll speak to this people, says the Lord. Therefore, tongues are for a sign not to those who believe, but to unbelievers, to unbelievers. So it was the disobedient children of Israel that got exiled out of their land. And the fact that they are now surrounded by a language that they don't understand was a sign to them that they were out of the will of God, that they were 
being judged, really, and such. So this says, tongues are not a sign for those who believe, but to the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues, and there comes in those who are uninformed, or unbelievers, will they not say you're out of your mind? So if some uh, unbeliever, unchurched person comes in and we're all speaking in tongues, they're thinking, you guys are crazy. We could scare them off like that. See, love would not want to do that. Love would not want to say, well, we're doing something spiritual. They don't understand it, but we do. Yeah, but, but they don't. See, so Paul's saying, walk in love. Don't just do things that even if you know they are genuinely of the Holy Spirit, love would want to make sure that you don't send this person down the road so they can't hear and themselves receive and be filled with the Holy Spirit eventually. So he said, they'll say you're out of your mind. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all and he's convicted by all. So he says, Man, if somebody comes in, they may be completely unchurched, uninformed. They don't know God. They may even be atheists. And they come in, though, and by the Holy Spirit, you begin to speak prophetically to them. And they realize, oh, my goodness, how do you guys know this about me and my life and such? Well, they don't. It's by the Holy Spirit of God. Prophecy or word of knowledge and such. And so it says, in that case, people are convinced by all, they're convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. How? By the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit showing people what to say, and this person feels like, oh my goodness, like my life is like open in front of everybody here. It doesn't mean that you're exposing them or, or uh, putting them to shame. Or humiliating them. No, the Holy Spirit's not looking to humiliate people, but he just says things in a way that you realize. Oh, and, and it makes the person wonder, does everybody know everything about me? Well, they don't. They don't. Unless the Holy Spirit shows them something, they don't know that, especially if they don't know the person, right? So he says, uh, he says, when that happens, they're convinced, they're convicted, and the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. You can see how prophecy, the manifestation of the Spirit, words of knowledge and prophecy, when we're hearing from the Lord well and delivering it in love, you can see how it can deeply affect somebody because they realize, oh my goodness, God's real. God's real. Because they know you can't just fake that. And so, falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. This is when the gifts of the Spirit operate in love. This is what happens. So it says in verse 28, how is it then, brethren? So he says, so based on all this, what should happen? How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, notice he included a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, let all things be done for edification. Let all things be done for edification, to edify, to build other people up, to encourage other people. Uh, if anyone, verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, that was 26 before I said 28, 
Uh, verse 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. So he said, if people do feel like they have a message in tongues, let there be two or three. Now, this is not the pray praying in tongues, okay? But this is if somebody has a tongue, a gift of tongue, like it talked about in chapter 12. If, uh, if anybody has a tongue, let there be two or three. Don't just let another person, another person, 10 people given a tongue. Oh, we don't know what it means. He said, let two or three at the most, each in turn, and then let one person, let somebody interpret what God is saying. But if there's no interpreter or if there's no one that operates in the gift of interpretation, then let him keep silent in the church or let the person that was speaking in tongues keep silent and speak to themselves because uh, we don't need to take time for everybody to listen to this message in tongues if there's nobody to interpret there. So he says, if there's no interpreter, somebody who operates in the gift of interpretation, let him keep silent in the church and let him speak to himself and to God. So you don't have to do it loudly. You can just speak to yourself and to God and without interrupting the rest of the service. Let two or three prophets, now we're talking about prophets, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. Even prophets must have their prophecies judged. We have to discern, is this the Spirit of God? Because even a prophet of God can miss it. But if any, anything is revealed to another who sits by, and this would likely be talking about another prophet who sits by, let the first keep silent. In other words, don't let one prophet just dominate the whole time. Uh, let's, let's have other people be able to speak in as well. For you can all prophesy one by one. See, this seems to mean... You can all prophesy if we have the time. Of course, in a large church gathering, well, we'd never make, make it through the service if everybody's prophesying. But this notice I've said that these churches were house churches. They were smaller churches. He said, you can all, you can all prophesy one by one. And he goes on to say that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. In other words, nobody should say, I couldn't help it. The spirit made me speak up and say that. no. No, the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. You can control that. And just because you felt the unction of the spirit, that doesn't mean that it's the right time to speak out and do it. You have to stay in order and, and stay in submission to authority as well. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Let your women keep silent in the churches, for they are not permitted to speak, but they are to be submissive, as the law also says. Now, we talked about this back in the 11th chapter. We're talking about women prophesying with their heads covered or not covered. And Paul was clearly saying, if they have their heads covered and they're walking in submission, then they can pray and prophesy. But we asked the question, is he talking about something that is a universal law? No women can, can speak at all in church. All women need to walk in silently and walk back out silently. Is that what he's saying? Well, obviously not. Because if you look at the rest of the Bible, you look at the rest of the New Testament, you even look at the way that Paul treated other women in ministry, Phoebe, Junia, Priscilla, who was married to Aquila, and others, you see that, oh no, he allowed them to minister. Paul saw this. But Paul was addressing something here because there must have been a talkativeness that was happening that was also disturbing, just like an excess of tongues was disturbing. So an excess of chatter and talk was disturbing. And possibly we'll see in just a moment that possibly the ladies not being as educated as the men 
in all the scriptures and in regular education back in this day, they would have questions to ask. So notice it says, let your women keep silent in the churches for they're not permitted to speak, but they're to be submissive as the law also says. And if they want to learn something, let them ask their own husbands at home. So evidently they were asking right in the middle of the church, hey, Larry, what does that mean? This and that and the other, because they, they hadn't been educated like the men. But this caused a disturbance. And so Paul was addressing not a universal law that women can never speak, but he was addressing a pastoral issue in this particular set of churches, the Corinthian churches. He was addressing this and saying, hey, they need to keep silent because they can ask their husbands these questions at home rather than distract everybody else trying to have these side conversations in the middle of the service. So he said, let them ask their own husbands at home for it's shameful for women to speak in church and talking about in, in a disorderly way. Or did the word of God come originally from you? Or was it uh, you only that it reached? If anyone thinks himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things I write to you are commandments of the Lord. So Paul was saying, if there's anybody among you, Corinthians, that thinks that what I'm talking about here, these commandments that I'm giving, these guidelines that I'm giving are not right. He said, then they need to know that I'm writing to you as an apostle of God over your church to bring instruction to your church and to help keep things on track. And what is he trying to do? Help them to walk in love. And it wouldn't be love for ladies to be having side conversations and distracting other people from hearing the word of God. See, and so all of this comes back to walk in love. Ladies, ask your husbands at home. Be respectful to everybody receiving here. See, it all comes back to love. Verse 38, but if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. And sometimes people just are, they're ignorant. That doesn't mean they're dumb, but they just don't know the Bible. They don't believe it. And he said, you know, don't argue with them. If anybody's ignorant, let them be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy, watch this, and do not forbid to speak with tongues. And some churches do this. They say, no, we don't do that here. They forbid it. Some ministers do that. But it says, do not forbid to speak with tongues. Verse 40, let all things be done decently and in order. This is a great phrase. Let all things be done decently and in order. And in some places, they don't let all things be done. We don't let all the gifts of the Spirit happen. And in some places, they let everything be done, but they don't do it decently in order. So some churches are decent in order, but they don't let all things be done. And other churches let all things be done, but it's not decent and in order. And Paul said, look, do it in love and let all things be done decently and in order. Isn't that a great chapter? Oh, I wish I had time just to teach all the way through it, but... That's a, good, that's a good look at it. Thank you for being with me today. I look forward to being with you tomorrow. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, 
Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.